And so if you're unapologetic about your success and you just show up and you do it and you share it, I can promise you, you will inspire at least one other person. And that's how real change happens. Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another incredible episode of For the Love of Money. And I mean, absolutely incredible episode because I'm sitting down with my friend, Jess Glazer. Now, if you don't know Jess, I'm surprised because she is everywhere lately. She's been in Forbes, Yahoo Finance, the Today Show, Good Day New York, New York uh, Post, like Shape Magazine, Well and Good. And we are going to tell her story. Matter of fact, I'm going to take her through a timeline. She doesn't know it yet, but I'm going to take her through an exact timeline, step by step, how she went from being a burnt out teacher making 50 grand a year to making a million dollars in 18 months by starting a side hustle. You heard that correctly. We're going to spell it out for you so you can find yourself in her journey, how she went from being a burnt out teacher making 50 grand a year to making a million dollars in 18 months. And she is the realist. I mean, like the realist example of creating a great income out of thin air. That's why I want to share her with you today is because I want you all to be able to find yourself in her journey, find yourself in her story so that this possibility becomes real for you today because it is real. And let's be honest, so many people right now during this challenging time we're in, they need this type of inspiration. They need to know that this type of story is real. And that's why I'm excited to share Jess and her story with you today. She's the founder of Empower You. That's her program that helps you go from an idea to a thriving side hustle in just 90 days. Is very granular, very hands-on. and She has great results out of it. And the reason I know her journey so well is that I've worked with Jess in a number of different capacities uh, throughout her journey, but she's also a exclusive member of our elite level mastermind. Now, that elite level mastermind, it's full. You can't get in the rest of this year. But we are about to enroll our next round of our famous fast foundations. That's for anybody who makes under $500,000 right now. We're about to start that enrollment in about a a month. Actually, by the time you hear this, we're probably already enrolling it. We're going to enroll it in August. And here's how it works. You go put yourself on the waiting list at fastfoundations.com if you want to lock arms with us for five months and help us grow your business or help us help you you to grow your business. You go put yourself on the waiting list at fastfoundations.com. Because the order in which we let people in is first, anyone who is in this round, we let them renew and take the spots first. Then we go to the waiting list and we give them typically a day or two before we tell the public so that they can get any spots that are remaining. And then after that, if there's any spots remaining, we go to social media, we go to the public and we say, hey world, we are enrolling our last few spots of our famous Fast Foundations. Go check out the testimonials at least. Go check out fastfoundations.com. And if you know that you want our help, getting you, whether it's to your first 100 grand, 200 grand, 300 grand, 400 grand, if you want our help doing that for five months, then get yourself on that wait list. All right. So this episode, I promise you, if you think that's not possible for you, if you think that eh, these success stories are for somebody else, uh, I don't have the training. Oh, I don't have the know-how. This is the episode that's going to break you of all of that. Jess is amazing. I'm proud of her and I'm proud to share her journey with you. So get ready, take some notes and here we go. All right, Jess Glazer, my friend, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a long time coming, and I hope you don't mind me sharing this in, in the setup. But I gave you a challenge. As you know, to be on my show, you have to be a seven-figure earner annually okay. or have a seven-figure uh, net worth and above uh, and have a great story of generosity. And I knew that you had an epic story of generosity. We've been to the same charity galas together and, and all that fun stuff. So we're going to definitely touch on that. But uh, you were crushing it financially, but hadn't quite squeaked over that one hurdle of seven figures annually yet. And I held you to it to be on the show. Was that a motivating factor? Are you kidding me? It's been, that has been the theme. That is, that is our relationship. You've challenged me time and time again over the last couple of years. And 
I think I have risen to the occasion every time. Now you smashed through the occasion. Okay. So let's get yeah. to the format of the podcast. I just wanted to set it up with X. I'm just so damn proud of you. I really am. This is a really special moment for me. I want you to know that. Um, but as you know, I start my show with rapid fire. You might not know. I don't know if you even listen to my show or not. Well, you might be homies where you don't listen to my show. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I don't know. I don't listen to some of my friends' shows. I hope they're not listening right now. I don't listen to my wife's show. How do you think I built the business? <laughs> All right. We'll see everybody. If you want to be a millionaire, listen to this show. Okay, Jess. So then you already know that I start with rapid fire. But because you listen to the show and because we've known each other for so long, I might change up a few of the questions just to try and throw you off. Because if I know anything about you, let's have a moment of honesty. I bet you actually thought about already what you would answer to these rapid fire questions, didn't you? I've been thinking about it for quite some time. I knew it. Whatever. I didn't want you to be prepared for all of them. So I'm yeah. going to change a couple of But I'll start with the easy one to get you warmed up. Sure. Where'd you grow up? New Jersey. And where do you live now? Manhattan, New York City. And we're all going to move to a really cool cul-de-sac somewhere and have epic couples only, right? Yes. Can't, can't wait. I cannot can't wait, wait for that. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite quote? Um, at the moment, probably, uh, I believe it's Steve Jobs. You can't connect the dots looking forwards. You can only connect them looking backwards. Mm, I love that. All right. Here's where I'm going to change it up on you. Who is somebody who I do not know that has changed your life? Uh, I mean, my parents both have definitely changed my life. My older brother has had a significant impact. And I've had a few teachers over the years who you wouldn't know that have changed my life. If you're yeah. sometimes it's people that nobody would ever, ever know that change your life the most. I know that's the yeah. case for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Mr. Prell, he was my um, eighth grade. He was one of my eighth grade teachers and Dr. Dafina was my anatomy teacher in high school. Shout out to Mr. Perel and <laughs> the anatomy guy. Yeah. What's yeah. one of your superpowers? Being able to see something that someone else can't see. I'm really good at taking information and making it digestible, making difficult things really easy to understand and kind of extracting what someone is trying to say or, or get across. I would agree wholeheartedly with that. Here's where I change up rapid fire for you. What's one of your weaknesses? Um, I've worked on this a lot the past couple of years, but asking for help. Ah, yeah. You and me both, for sure. I, yeah. I hear you there. One of your favorite accomplishments so far? Leaving my job, even though it was comfortable and cushy and easy. I can't wait to tell that story. And then uh, something generous you've done recently? So two things come to mind. One would be, we actually were able to financially help my parents recently, which finally resulted in my dad retiring after you know 50 years. He's, he's in his 70s. So that was huge that we were able to do that. And then we found out two days ago that we're um, going to be building a school in Ghana with pencils of promise. Isn't that so the those, coolest? <laughs> yeah, those I, donations. When you definitely. sent the picture of like the existing school, and I use that term loosely... Yeah. Uh, that they have there that you're going to be replacing, the rebuilding. It's just, it shows you how real it is, that trickle-down effect of when good people make good money, they're able to do great things. And that's exactly what you stand for. And I love that. Absolutely. Last but not least, what are you grateful for today? I'm just grateful to be here, to be here, to be healthy, to be with you, technology, all of it. Yeah, same. Okay, so I'm going to do something different with you today for this interview. Um, I haven't done this before, but because I know your story so well, and because I know that everybody is in the place where you once were today with COVID and joblessness and businesses shutting down and all that stuff, I can do something different with you. I want to do this interview like a step-by-step timeline because you are the primo example of going from no side hustle to side hustle to making a million dollars in 18 freaking months. And I know that's kind of everyone's goal out there right now. They're starting side hustles. They're wishing their side hustle could make up for their lost income. And so I really want to spell it out for everyone who needs it right now so that they can find themselves in your story and find themselves in your timeline and then duplicate it themselves. Is that cool? I love it. As a teacher, I'm like, ooh, a graph? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Tools? Sign me up. Yeah. Linear? I'm in. All right. Very cool. So I want to start by taking you back just 36 months ago, just three years ago. You were a teacher. And by the way, nothing wrong with teachers. Freaking epic humans. We would have nothing but dumb people running around without them. But you were a teacher and you were not happy. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Paint that picture for us three years ago. Sure. So three years ago, I was finishing up my eighth year of teaching. I was an elementary school teacher. Um, For the record, it wasn't something that was in the plan. I went to school to be a doctor of physical therapy and actually dropped out of my doctorate program in grad school. So it it was kind of the backup plan. 
Um, and so I was already not really fulfilling my own dreams, but rather doing something that was seemingly easy. Teaching is not easy, but it was the easier path for me. Um, and so, yeah, I was in my eighth year finishing up. I had been really unhappy for probably three or four of those eight years. I just felt that the ceiling was low figuratively and literally. Financially like, and in terms of challenge. Yeah. Absolutely. But also even in the environment I was in and every day, I was in an elementary school. So the toilets are small, the ceilings are low. And I felt like my students, K through five, they were graduating fifth grade and they were going and moving on to to do great things and to become more. And I just felt myself getting older and older and older. And I felt like I was shrinking. Yeah. That makes sense. I love how you paint that physical example of even your physical surroundings were like keeping you small, so to speak, or boxing you in. For sure. Right, so what yeah. was the moment, keeping in mind this timeline, what was the moment that all of a sudden you realized enough is enough, I cannot do this anymore? Yeah. So during my eighth year, I had already had a side hustle. I had tried a couple different things. I have been a trainer for 18 years. So at the time I was still training clients after school and on the weekends. And I had got, I sort of dabbled in network marketing. That's where we met. And I dabbled in online training where I was sending people workouts and they were paying me through snail mail with checks. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But what happened was I was actually listening to a podcast in 2016. I was driving to school and a gentleman was asking a woman, she was a teacher, she had a jewelry line on Etsy and she wanted to go all in. And he had kind of prefaced it with like, if you were to give yourself a year to go all in on the jewelry line, and if it didn't work out, what's the worst case scenario? Mm-hmm. So she responded, I'm driving to work, listening to my podcast. And she responded and she said, worst case scenario, I would probably go back to teaching. I would probably have to go to a different district, but I've been a teacher for 10 years. I could just go somewhere and be a teacher. And his response literally changed my life. He said, okay, how does it feel to wake up every day and live in your worst case scenario? Boom. Like I can see how that (laughs) would jar you. Yeah. I started crying. I pulled the car over. I texted my husband, Mike. I said, I can't do this anymore. That was November of 2016. I put my notice in January of 2017, that year, that school year. Um, and that was my last year of teaching. Can I just point out that there's so many people listening right now that are living in their backup plan. They're living in their worst case scenario, meaning if they went and they tried to do something big and it yeah. failed, their backup plan would be going back to what they're doing today, their worst case scenario. So yeah. if you're already at your worst case scenario, man, there's nowhere to go but up. Yeah. Like you got nothing yeah. to lose if you're okay Truly. with today's scenario. Absolutely. And I knew I could always go back. And if it wasn't that, I could do something else. And that's where you came in. And one of your quotes that I use all the time, ego is your biggest overhead. Mm-hmm. And for me, if it wasn't going to be teaching, I knew I could go back to being a trainer full-time. I was already a trainer. I could go be a barista at a Starbucks. I could go work at Kohl's, Target. It didn't matter. It was, can I drop my ego and do something that I feel might be beneath me mm-hmm. for temporary moment? To get myself wherever I need to be. Wow. That's amazing. Because that's what holds a lot of people in a not preferable situation is they would rather stay in pain than have to sacrifice their ego to make ends meet to get somewhere better. Yeah. Crazy that we do that, right? Yeah. And can I piggyback on one thing? Because a lot of times people will say, oh my gosh, you're so brave that you jumped and you leapt and you had no plan and how, how brave. And it was not bravery. It was exactly what you just said. I was so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. I was in so much pain that I just didn't want to do it. Don't you wish that all of us could not have to get to that point before we finally take action? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Okay. So now we know why and when you said enough is enough just a few years ago. What was your biggest fear? You kind of just touched on that. Like, hey, I'm not afraid. I know I could go work at Kohl's. I could go work at uh, be a barista. I could go do all these things to make ends meet. But what was your biggest fear about saying, I am out of here? Just not knowing what was next. So like a lot of the listeners, I'm sure I'm a recovering perfectionist, recovering control freak, super type A. And so not knowing what was next, because I truly did leave without a plan. Mm -hmm. And I say that in air quotes, Uh, the plan was to figure it out, but the plan was not going to do something else. I didn't have a job lined up. So that was probably the biggest thing. I didn't want to let anybody down. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I got to be honest. I think even people that think they leave with a plan realize their plan is to figure it out as they go. Like that's yeah. that's the only option. Okay, so yeah. um, what was the seed? What was the beginning of empower you? What was that next step where you were going to monetize yourself because you left teaching? Yeah, 
So the in-between before Empower University, which is the signature 90-day business course, was actually in the zone I always was. And so that was health and fitness. So I had dabbled, like I said earlier, I had dabbled in online health and fitness coaching. So when I left teaching, my husband and I moved to Manhattan and I walked into a gym and got a job. Like the day we got there, I just walked into a gym, I got a job as a trainer, and I was just going to grind you know, 12-hour days at the gym while building my online business. So I was running a course called Food Freedom University for quite I remember some time. That. Yeah. And it was health and fitness coaching, which is what I had been doing. So that's really where it started. I ran that for just over a year. But around the six-month mark, six to nine-month mark, a lot of my friends in the fitness industry were asking me what I was doing. How was I making money online? And so it sort of accidentally evolved. You realized, wait, I could share with them how I'm doing this. There must be demand here. And this is very important, Jess, because a lot of people right now are being asked, sometimes begged, to share how they do what they do, but they think there's no value in it. Yeah. that's the. I think that's one of the biggest blocks. We don't think that what we know is valuable enough or good enough. Because it comes easy to us. Exactly. Yet there's somebody else that's praying for that knowledge that comes easy to you. Absolutely. Okay. Stick with the timeline. Very next step. How did you decide for that very first person or people that you were going to package this up and teach them how to build their business online? So at that moment, we're talking about October, November of 2018. I had three friends from the fitness industry that I was sitting with behind my laptop every Thursday at noon and we're kind of going over some stuff. I was working with them individually as well. Then comes in Chris Harder. (laughs) And I bumped into you. We were together at Summit of Greatness Mm -hmm. and you challenged me once again. And you just kind of very politely said, I'm really proud of you, but it sounds like you replaced your teaching job with a training job. Mm-hmm. When are you actually going to go for it? I have this knack for <laughs> eloquently being blunt and calling people out when I see greatness in them. Yeah. Yeah. And by the so, way, how ironic that we are at Summit of Greatness when I saw greatness in you. Thank you. Yeah, it's truly. And, and that once again was a conversation that shifted everything. Mike and I had driven that year to Summit because we live in New York. We don't have a car. So it was exciting to drive. And the entire drive home, I just kept talking about how I did it again. I, it's my ego. Why am I in, Why am I doing this? Why am I grinding 12 hours a day? I did not take the leap at all. I just replaced my comfortable job with a comfortable job. Mm-hmm. And so when we got back, uh, that is when I decided to kind of go all in. And I told the three clients that I had that we were going to roll it into a group kind of formal formula. Um, and then opened it up to a couple more people. And by December of 2018, I think we had about 20 people enrolled. And I just went, you know, full on pedal to the metal. And yeah. That's so badass. What do you remember yeah. what you charged the first three people when you rolled them into a group? Said, hey, I'm building this parachute on the way down. Clearly, you didn't disclose that to them, but you said, yeah, I'm, I've got a coaching program. I'm putting you three in a group. Um, yeah. Do you remember what you charged them? <laughs> it was 3000 a piece, but I was doing one on one with them. Wow. It wasn't even a group. Yeah, so, so three thousand nine for grand months. for going one on one, basically with three people. Mm-hmm, My, exactly. how far you've come! But you, everyone's yeah. got to start that. So you got someone. Everyone has to start with just that simple exchange of money for your service yeah. to start feeling good about that. Yeah. All right, so Once then you had twenty in a group by the end of that year. Sure. And what were you making roughly at that point? Um, multiple, multiple six figures. Okay. Low but multiple nothing, six figures. Yeah, lower like two fifty maybe something okay. like that. All right. So <laughs> actually, here this. Sticking with the timeline, this is my very next question. How did the first hundred grand out of your first million show up? Through a combination of Food Freedom University, Empower University, when it was kind of skeleton, and then uh, still training, training clients in person. And so from leaving as a teacher to Mm -hmm. making that first hundred grand in side hustles, do you know roughly how long that was? It was that first year that I had left teaching. It kind of happened all within that first year. And if you don't mind sharing, do you remember what you were making as a teacher? Yeah. I started at 46,000 a year. And when I left after eight years, I was making 57,000. After eight years, that's all that had (laughs) increased. That's that's robbery. So you doubled your income Mm -hmm. when you left. I did in that first year. Okay. Super badass. All right. So now the question becomes this. How did you make your first... 250. Do you remember? Uh, It was really starting to just automate and put more people into the programs. I had not raised prices at that point. It was just investing in myself, joining other programs and courses, getting my name out there, putting up 
you know, more content, showing up more consistently, and just making sure people knew what I did. Okay. What was your form yeah. of marketing at that time? Because for you to put together enough people to be making a quarter million dollars a year, mm-hmm. uh, just after a year, right? We're now barely in past the 12-month mark at this part, point from when sure. you left. What was your means of marketing? Just social media and just Instagram, actually. All organic. I've never done a paid ad. I wasn't doing any email. I had an email list, but wasn't really utilizing email marketing. It was just Instagram stories, Instagram posts, and then word of mouth. I mean, being in New York City, I think has helped a lot. I'm not going to take that away. Being in the New York City fitness industry, I've spoken on a lot of panels. I was, you know, an athletic ambassador. So like I had reach here in New York. Let's, Let's talk about that. You had really cool reach. You've gotten some really cool accolades because you lived in New York. So it's easy to jump on this show, jump on that show. Sure. Talk to the person who's in Lincoln, Nebraska, Green Bay, Wisconsin, uh, Butte, Wyoming. Is that even a place? Butte, Montana. <laughs> Butte, Montana. <laughs> talk on the wrong person. <laughs> talk, talk to everybody between the coasts. What if they don't have proximity to just jumping on the shows? It's so interesting. This used to be my mindset too until I was introduced to network marketing. And I found that so many of our network marketing millionaires in the company lived in like Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And so when I first realized that, is when I was kind of open to there are 10 million people in New York. If you can't make it happen, then you know there's an issue on your end. So what I've learned is relationships, networking, collaboration. I mean, your network, we know, is your net worth, right? And so with social media, I've I did not have a big following at all. No, I remember I first, you really did not. Yeah. It was I, nothing I still, like it is right now. Yeah, and it's still not large relative to other coaches out there. Mm-hmm. Um but collaborating, reaching out to people, pitching myself. I was pitching myself left and right to whether it was magazines or articles, fitness. I mean, I begged my way into fitness magazines. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's talk about yeah. that. So you yeah. created your own pieces of clout for edification. You begged your way Absolutely. into fitness. Give me an example of how you begged your way into one piece of media that anybody could do. So one of the things that I did was really focus on who is listening or watching or reading this particular piece of media. So it's really important to know who is the consumer because when you approach someone to pitch yourself, it's how am I going to help their consumer or reader? What value can I bring to their consumer or reader? It's not about me. It's about them. So something like Shape Magazine and Women's Health and all of those, I had been reading them since I was little. I got them. I knew exactly what they spoke to and who they spoke to. So once I understood that, then I would kind of position myself and angle myself in a way that could be of value for their listener or reader. And what could be really helpful is actually checking to see not only has this topic been talked about before, but has it been recently shared? And do I have an opposing opinion that I can say, Hey, I saw that you recently did an article on XYZ. I actually disagree. And here's why. Mm -hmm. I love that. So people have to realize pitching yourself is as simple as figuring out what's in it for them. What's in it for the magazine? What's in it for the online publication? What white space or gap have they not quite touched on lately? And then saying, by the way, I'm your perfect white space gap filler. Exactly. Okay, yeah. brilliant. Okay, And so, being okay with no's. Yes. There were a lot of no's. <laughs> Did you get some serious no's? Oh, yeah. More no's than yeses. How, how'd you handle them? Because remember, you're a recovering perfectionist, so that had to affect you. Oh, for sure. I think I still work through it. You know, it's 10 years of, of no's and 10 years of telling myself a story of maybe just, you know, there was someone better or that maybe they didn't see the email. <laughs> okay. Wow. Let's talk about something very personal while we're on no, because no stops a lot of people, right? Yeah. Being afraid of them or not knowing how to deal with them. How'd you feel when I, a friend and a coach said, no, you can't be on the show until you reach this milestone like everybody else? Yeah. So my initial response, like a typical human ego response was <laughs> no no like a like a child like a tantrum like ugh, you know yep. like how dare he yep. um and then it was okay really quickly snapped out of that because i've worked on that for a decade so the comeback is really important so i can snap out of it quickly and say all right if if this was a role reversal and you were a client or a student from when i was a teacher what's the lesson here and it's always, what can I do differently? How can I approach this differently? So it was the same thing with the nose of the magazines. If they said no, that's on me. Maybe I didn't pitch myself well. Maybe I didn't come in strong enough. Maybe I wrote too much. Maybe I, you know, maybe I made it too much about myself. So what is the reflection of what can I do? And with you, it was simply go finish making the money and get back to you. I love yeah. that. Boy, you just said something really important. 
a lot of times people, when they get no, the way they handle with it is like, oh, that's just where they're at, not me. I like the power that you put in it saying, it's on me. I could have pitched it differently or better. I didn't find their hot button. Yeah. No, new opportunity to learn. Yeah. New opportunity. Wow. Talk about 100% ownership. Okay. So sticking with the timeline, we're just over 12 months into you leaving teaching. You've passed that quarter million dollar mark. Uh, You're doing it strictly through word of mouth and social media. How did the first half million show up? What changed between quarter million and half million? So tactically, something that changed with those two courses that I was running at the time, Food Freedom and Empower, I was doing open enrollment. Now, over the years, I've tried everything from open enrollment to rolling enrollment and then open Explain and Explain what those are for the listeners. Sure. So open enrollment is essentially if someone knocks on my door and they're like, hey, can I work with you? I would just let them join the program. People can join at any time. So I might have someone on week 11 and someone else on week one and they're in the same program. Rolling enrollment is more of a, sure, you can join at any time, but let's consider that maybe the first of every month is a new cohort or class. So like, yes, you can come in, but your cohort is actually going to be starting in about a week or two weeks. So it's a little bit more organized. And then an open-closed format would be you're very publicly launching, doors close on a certain day, and then everybody goes through the course at the same time, at the same speed. So over the course of you know four years prior, I had played around with everything because don't forget, I was already doing some, some lower ticket stuff. And so... so Go ahead. ahead. No, keep going. Yeah. So I made a switch that year in. I decided to... Two things happened. I shut Food Freedom University down completely. So I had done that for... Was that scary uh, to shut down an income source? Yes and no, because I was my heart wasn't in it. So I was starting to show up on coaching calls with resentment. Mm-hmm. Not for the women. I love the women. Yeah. Uh, it for myself. I just didn't want to talk about it anymore. I was I was done with it. I have... I'm an eating disorder survivor. So that's where a lot of that stemmed from. So my whole journey through all of that, I just like, I'm done talking about that. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I knew that it would be, I'd be fine because I could figure out a different way to bring the money in if I needed to. Um, So I shut that down. Another thing that I had shut down at the exact same time, same month, April of 2019, I shut down, I don't want to call it a company, but I had started something called Fit Trips, mm-hmm. which ran for four years. And they were monthly women's only fitness-based. They were essentially field trips. And every month we had these different field trips and we did them nationally. We did them internationally. We hosted retreats and they took up a lot of energy. And in working with some coaches, I realized that it was like a, <laughs> a hobby. It wasn't really a business. I wasn't really in the green ever. I was mostly in the red. Yeah, but, um, and but it was, but just it was taking a, a lot of your time, money, and, and energy and effort to put these things on. Sure. So yeah. I'm seeing a theme. I just hope people are catching this to go from a quarter million to a half a million. You actually had to subtract. It was addition yes. by subtraction. You subtracted the, the food program. You subtracted the uh, field fitness field trips. You subtracted sure. things that were paying you because you knew you had to make space and energy for the thing with the most potential. Yes. And I took my in-person clients from full-time to part-time. So I dropped my client roster 50% in person. You're really so, clearing space to, to take a leap forward. I did. Yeah, I absolutely did. And again, some of it, was, it wasn't being brave. It was, I was really uncomfortable. I was burning out. I didn't have energy. And fortunately, my husband is incredible and supportive. And when I quit my job, his question to me was always, does this make you happy? Does this light you up? Every decision I made when I quit teaching was, is this what you want to do? Is this making you happy? Or is this, do you feel like you have to do it? Yeah. And we really tried to stay on a passive path of, is this fulfilling? Is this making me happy? What a great question. If you don't have a spouse or significant other to bounce that off of you all the time, then find a, like a friend, a part, like a coach, a partner. That's a fantastic question. Yeah. And the answer was no. I wasn't really fulfilled and happy. And it was exactly one year after I left teaching. And so we both sat there kind of like, well, then what are you doing? What was the point? Yeah. So cut back on the clients, cut back online shut down food freedom and shut down uh, fit trips. And then that was when I was able to then put all of my focus into Empower University. Went all in, started doing really strategic launching, open and close, which as a teacher worked better for me anyway, because I like to bring people through a whole process. And so I had a classroom of people and it just made more sense. And that took me from 250 to 500 like overnight. Wow. Okay. Super exciting. What was your biggest investment in your business or in yourself? Before you made five hundred thousand dollars, like what was the biggest thing? Technology, anything to get you there? Coaching, definitely different masterminds and coaching programs. 
Okay. Yeah. And so can you give an idea of what you spent uh, between zero and 500 grand in coaching and that kind of thing to help you get there? 150000 Okay. Now here's a big question. Yeah. Out of that $150,000, how much of it was money well spent and how much of it was money spent in the wrong direction? I don't believe any of it was spent in the wrong direction. Wow. Awesome answer. You know, Lori and I once uh, were in a mastermind that I'll never, ever, ever say who or where or anything, but the 74 grand for the year. And we, did, we didn't even go after the first meeting. And I feel the same way. It was not money spent in the wrong direction. It was uh, money that was a beautiful education on how I would run my type of coaching and masterminds and all that differently. Exactly. What a healthy you learn, perspective. Yeah. You learn what you like, what you don't like, what you want, what you don't want, what you need, what you don't need. And if not anything, relationships, right? I mean, yeah. I don't think any of it was poorly spent. Awesome. Okay. So you pass the half million dollar mark, stick with our timeline here. You're yeah. already balling out at this point. Like, let's be honest, that's pretty freaking cool to go from side hustle to a half a million dollars in what is this, probably 14, 15 months or something at this point? Yeah, actually, just a year. It was just a year. Just a year still. God, okay. Yeah. Nuts. So you had like this, this rapid, if you're picturing a, a graph or a chart, it's just like this rocket trajectory. Sure. Okay. So then, how did you go from a half a million in earnings to a million dollars in earnings? Oof. How did I go from... I started delegating. Ah, that's I, a big one. Elaborate, yeah. please. Yeah. I started asking for help. It started with a lot of voluntary positions. So asking past clients of mine who had gone through Empower University if they wanted to be you know, supporting coaches in the program, just to offload some stuff that was on my plate. Um, I had even done a little bit of bartering at the beginning when I felt like I couldn't afford something, whether it was a photo shoot or graphic design, I had done some bartering. And then really bringing on help and bringing on an assistant and having people that can help me do different things in the business and on the business, uh, which has been really difficult for me, again, because asking for help and not and having to release the control of it. But there's no way I would have been able to build everything without help. Yeah. You reach a plateau. You have to delegate, trade out, hire out, bargain out if you're going to get to that next level. There's no way to seven figures without it. No, there's not. And it's crazy when someone else can do something better than you. right? And you have to work through that at first. But my team, the people that I work with, I mean, they do things better than I do them. So why why wouldn't I let them do it? Why wouldn't I empower them to do something that they're good at and that they enjoy when it's something I don't like or I'm not that good at. So I, first of all, I agree. Second of all, I have to ask, when you realized you passed the million dollar mark in earnings since you left your, your teaching job where you were making you know, just 57 grand a year, do you remember how that felt? Was it a moment? Was it a realization? Or did you blow past it and not even realize? <laughs> to be honest, I think it was a little bit of both. Because I think we often just, you know, you move the finish line and mm-hmm. your head is down and you're just grinding and working and it's the next thing and the next launch and the next group of people. And um, there's just a lot to, there's a lot to do, you know, and there's a lot of people that I'm serving. I think right now I have 147 clients between all my different programs. So I'm very much focused on them. Um, so it was a little bit of, okay, cool. I'm glad that happened. Let's keep moving. And Oh my God, I can't believe that happened. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what an yeah. accomplishment, right? And yeah. Teaching that would have taken you about 18 years, 19 years. Yeah, my whole career. It would have been my whole career. Wow. Let that yeah. sink in. And you, I know. you invented money out of thin air. You printed money out of thin air to make your first million. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So now, just because I know your numbers, obviously you're crushing a million dollars a year. Uh, and, and you have a very different you know, lifestyle, very different everything because of it. Was it worth it? Was it worth all the fear, all the hassle, all the figuring it out, all the no's, all the everything, even some of the burnout? Was it worth it or no? Without question. Absolutely. Absolutely. To be able to help my parents, to be able to, to not stress over our finances, to be able to live in the beautiful apartment that we live in and have the space to take vacations, to, to be able to go to masterminds and not be stressed out about the hotel or pay for it a dinner with friends. Like it's, I mean, without question. That's so cool. That's so cool. Congratulations. Now, this is what you you. do for other people. You help them go from side hustle to whatever level of earning that they want. Because not everyone wants to make a million bucks. Some people right now are like, I just want to replace my 50 grand or I just want to replace a hundred grand or I just want to make 250 because I'd have a great life then. And that's what I love is to each their own. 
So I want to ask you about your students, the ones that go through sure. uh, Empower You and, and really learn in 90 days how to monetize themselves. And again, the reason I took you through that timeline is because we are in this, this weird moment in time where millions of jobs have been lost, tens of millions of jobs, and that income needs to be replaced. Where millions of businesses, traditional businesses have been shuttered, and now they need to switch and pivot how they do business and what they sell. Where millions of uh, people are absolutely financially destitute, and it's only getting worse right now. And they're saying, how can I possibly get ahead of this? And that's what you teach in a very granular step-by-step way. And that's what I want to ask about real quick. So people can not only find themselves in the timeline we just did, but they can find themselves in like, wow, maybe I really can do this. So with that, give me a real life example of one of your students' success stories. Something that'd be tangible for most people to buy into. Yeah. So I think some of the more tangible ones would be students that come in with... This is really common. They don't have a specific idea. They're not 100% sure of what they want to build, but they have they have a fairy tale idea. They have like a, a crazy, stupid idea, a stretch. And so taking that person and helping them get clarity on what it is and extracting exactly what they know, identifying who it is they can help and how they can help that person, showing them how to then master social media marketing. We do all organic marketing and we lead through impact. So what impact can you make on someone else's life? And then with that impact, you get paid, right? And that's your income. So generating the income. We have so many students that come through a little bit scattered. Maybe they've tried something. Maybe they've tried to sell like an ebook or something like that and it hasn't worked. And when they have clarity on the front end, everything from their niche to their ideal client, which is the eye roll basics. People come in all the time rolling their eyes. I've done this activity before. Well, maybe it hasn't been clear enough, right? Or maybe we need to redo it. Or maybe that's your old ideal client. So once they have clarity on that, we're having... I mean, we have crazy success stories, but we have so many clients that just kind of accidentally stumble upon you know, a $20,000 launch. That's pretty average for us, twenty dollars to $30,000. Um, and then of course, we have the case of, of clients who come through and in 90 days, they do 100K. I mean, that's, from, that's more basically rare. From nothing. They go through the program yeah. and you know, many are doing 20 or 30 and some are doing six figures. Sure. Can you yeah. share... And you don't have to name a name if you don't want. Is there a, a brand that was like someone who just... They got in the program, they did all this stuff, and they absolutely excelled. Yeah, I have tons. Give us one. <laughs> I have tons. So I'll tell you about a couple of different industries. I think it would be helpful okay. because a lot of times we get, I do get messages from people that say, oh, it's easy if you're business coaching because there's a financial ROI. So I'm going to push back there. We've had a lot of very, very successful clients come through in the health and fitness field. Mm-hmm. So they're online trainers, they're doing nutrition therapy, psychotherapy. Um, we have home organizers, real estate agents, social media gurus, tech tech people. I mean, we really have seen the whole entire gamut when it comes to industries. And we have had clients that have come out doing six figures and then by their second launch, a second six figures because it's a lather, rinse, repeat process. Yeah. So we've had clients that have gone through the program and you know, are doing 200, 300,000 within six months. Now... You see a lot of clients come through. Obviously, not all are success stories. Talk sure. to me, and of course, don't name them. <laughs> Talk to me about an example of a client who fell on their face. It did not work for them. And what traits you see in people that go and try and tackle a side hustle, create a side hustle, but they fail? Yeah. It's such a cliche answer, but they get in their own way. And so they get caught up in comparison. They get caught up in imposter syndrome. They don't think that they are good enough. They think their market's too saturated. And so they self-sabotage and they will not do, they won't take action, they, whether it's not showing up on a call or doing the homework or it's not physically showing up on social media. Um, they have stories in their head that they have to work through. And one of the things that we have in Empower You is, is a mindset coach. And he does, he does calls bi-weekly because we have so much stuff personally that we need to work through. And so the students that go through who don't see those types of results are just simply the ones who aren't showing up. They're just not doing the work. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's yeah. funny because that is such a common thread. Like, okay, let me re- ask this question. Do you think every single person who signs up can make some kind of good, respectable money on a side hustle if they don't get in their own way? If they don't get in their own way, yes. 
But the other thing that comes up is some people don't actually enjoy it. Once they start, they're like, oh, wait, I don't want to show up on social media. Uh, I don't want to be talking and selling myself. And um, there are some people who have a lot of resistance against the technology and they actually don't really like communicating through Zoom. They want to do things in person. Sometimes we have people who own brick and mortars that come in and we're hoping it would do something different for their brick and mortar than it is. Um, We're really focused on course creation. So while what we teach can help across the board, we really do focus on course creation here. So um, do I think our blueprint can help everybody? Absolutely. Do I think everybody wants to do what we're doing? No. Wow. I I love this. Well, well, first of all, before we get into some generosity talk here, the most heartfelt congratulations on, on what you've done you know just three years ago you were making 57 grand a year and now you you make seven figures a year and you did it in the way that everybody the way it unfolded just so organic and 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 in a way that everybody else is kind of hoping that it'll happen for them and the reason i wanted to have you on is this really is the tangible proof for anyone out there that needed a little bit more belief this is tangible proof of what it looks like and how to get there so huge congratulations to you thank you well, how have you, you had to change the most along this journey the past couple of years? <laughs> um, my ego. I've had to learn to ask for help. I've had to learn how to take messy action. I teach that to my students. Messy action was huge for me. I equate that to one of the things that helped the business explode. Mm-hmm. Um, not waiting for it to be perfect. I've had to, I've had to work on my money mindset a lot. I mean, years ago, I started reading you know, Secrets of a Millionaire Mind every year on New Year's and just doing the work and more than affirmations because I don't think that that's enough. I think really learning how to embody. What's changed in your money mindset? Do you know? Um, The ceiling, the cap, the belief that money is is bad. You know, having money is taboo. Talking about money is taboo. Mm -hmm. Now it's one of the things that leads the company. You know, we lead with impact and then income is, is right thereafter. And we teach a cycle then when you invest. So it's, it's impact, income. I'm sorry. Yeah, impact, income, invest. And it's just a cyclical kind of chain. That's really cool. Yeah. I like how you put that. Yeah. So let's talk about impact. This is one of the reasons why we're such good friends. We totally shared this ethos. Um, yeah. You have a heart of generosity that is second to none. Uh, as a matter of fact, we just attended the Pencils of Promise Gala in New York not that many months ago. It feels like a different world. It feels like years yeah. and years ago. And it was just December before the whole world yeah. was flipped upside down on its head. Isn't that bizarre? So crazy. Uh, so anyhow, we, we attended the gala together. I should say all of us as couples. Otherwise, it sounds weird. Um, <laughs> and you were already involved with Pencils of yeah. Promise long before that. So what attracted yeah. you to Pencils of Promise? A couple different things. So when I left teaching... And I committed to to Mike. We committed together that I would always stay involved in education. Mm-hmm. I truly do believe education is like every child has a has the right to education. I just think it's the most powerful thing, whether it's because they get friendship out of it or it's a safe place for a student to go. Um, I saw I was in a beautiful, very well off district, and some students weren't getting love at home. You know, so I just I think school and education is everything. And so I had made a promise to myself I'd always be involved in education. We honeymooned in Africa and we fell in love with Africa. We went to villages there, met students, went into classrooms and knew that we somehow wanted to get involved if at all possible. And then February of 2018, watched you and uh, Lori Lewis and Amanda, who have all been mentors of mine, You know, even if you guys didn't know it, we watched you do an impact trip with Pencils of Promise to Guatemala. Just watching you share it on social media and Students' faces light up and your faces light up. It was like best feeling ever, right? Yeah, I'm like, wow, I want to do that. I want to do that. I then read Adam Braun's book, mm-hmm. um, learned about it more there, and then actually was at that same dinner where you kind of, you know, were nudging me a little and saying, <laughs> "When are you actually going to take a leap?" And at that dinner, I was sitting next to a random man, and we got into talking, and I was telling him, you know, what do you do? And I was telling him about my company, Fit Trips. And how we donated to different charities every month. And at the time, I was working with a different business coach who had been pressuring, not pressuring, who had been encouraging me to donate to one charity so that I could make a bigger difference. And so when this man, Jim, yep. said, Oh, what charity are you thinking about? I said, I don't know. I think Pencils of Promise. Have you heard of it? And he just cracked open this huge smile. And it turns out Jim is the tech advisor for Pencils of Promise. Isn't that weird? Just the, the synchronicity, the impossibility yeah. of all of that happening, of all the charities in the world. 
you yeah. just can't deny that some things are meant to be. Yeah, for sure. And that was it. We it same the same car ride home decided I'm going to go all in, and I'm going. We're going to be getting involved with Pencils of Promise, and that all happened that same weekend for us. Can we just take a second to say how amazing and brilliant freaking Jim Carter is? He's incredible. He's absolutely incredible. I love that dude. I love that yeah. dude. Yeah. Well, okay, so that's how you got involved with Pop, and I understand your passion for teaching. And that everybody, yeah. regardless of situation, regardless of location, deserves an education. Talk to me about sure. your passion for giving. Why was this such a big part of your ethos? I think, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure. I've always taken a role as a leader. Like growing up, even in gymnastics, I was a competitive gymnast my whole life. I was always, I was always the mom. I was always making sure that the younger girls were okay. I've always, I was a captain of everything. I was, you know, student council, this and that. And not I figure out where the perfectionism for... came from. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But it was never for like so much the accolade as it was for I liked being in the position of taking care of people. Yeah. And yeah, I think the easiest way to take care of people is to give. And so even like if I'm sitting at a casual lunch, I find myself just giving, giving information, giving connecting people to other people. Like I love to just I don't know. Giving your like tater tots. Here, have my lunch. <laughs> yeah. Those I don't know if I would give. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't give up my tater tots. Yeah. What about... Here, here's what I really want to ask you about. You've been very vocal about helping your dad retire and yeah. giving to your family. And I think a sure. lot of people discount that. When somebody says, hey, I give a lot. And they say, oh yeah, to who? And they say, oh, well, my family. They think, well, nah, that doesn't count. I think that mega counts. And there's nobody... Yeah better to give to than starting with your family. How did yeah. that feel for you to be able to help your dad retire? Oh my gosh. There, I've never felt that. I've just never felt that way before. I don't know. I, you know, it was recently. Um, my was, mom was it a surprise or do you know it's coming? No, it was a surprise. And, and it was such a cool thing that happened because Mike and I were visiting my parents and it wasn't even a conversation that Mike and I had previously had, nor did we have to. My dad was discussing some financial stuff that was kind of holding him to this, this job. And we wanted him to retire for a long time. Um, but you know, financial stressors and, and whatever. Um, and without even hesitating, Mike and I kind of looked at each other and just did that telepathic, like, okay, let's do it. And we just told them that we were going to. I didn't think that I don't think they believed us at first. Yeah. And then when we got back home, we mailed them a check. And a couple of days later, they called us just crying, you know. And um, yeah, did just, they want to accept it or did they feel awkward? You know, I don't. I don't think they. I don't think they felt awkward. And I felt uncomfortable originally telling them how well I was doing financially. Mm-hmm. And it can be a tough thing for kids, right? Yeah, to tell their parents. And he's still working full time and. Yeah, I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about that, but at the same time, I really wanted to tell them because I wanted them to be proud. Um, and I think they're just over the moon, excited and proud, and happy happy that we can share it with them. And yeah, I mean, it's it's awesome. Wow, I absolutely love it. Okay, where can we find you? Where can we follow you? Where can everybody plug into more of your greatness? Sure. So I'm mostly on Instagram at Jess Glazer G L A Z E R. Of course, I have a website JessGlazer.com, but Hit me up on Instagram, DM me. I love talking to everybody. I really do truly love to connect with people. All right. So go follow Jess. Trust me, you want to follow Jess. She's absolutely epic. Tons of really good instruction. You know what I like about your Instagram? You give really good instructional stuff, right? It's not just like pictures of you. It's not just, and there's nothing wrong with that, but you actually give good instruction. Like you can learn just by following your Instagram. So go follow her Instagram for sure. Matter of fact, I'll tell you what, let's do something fun. Um, I will give away one free half hour coaching call. Uh, to one random person who tags you and me with their favorite takeaway out of this thing. Ooh. Let's do that. I will give away that's one free... It's a, a $2,000 value. I, I get 4000 bucks an hour for my coaching. So um, I'll, give, I'll choose one random person that shares. Maybe a couple weeks after this thing comes out, we'll give a little bit of a timeline. One random person that tags you and me with their favorite takeaway so someone else can learn on Instagram. I'll choose one of them for a, a random coaching call for their business. Epic. That is epic. Can I throw a gift in? Hell yeah. Yeah. So for the listener who still feels stuck because you're like, I don't really know where to start. There's a method that I use that uses post-it notes. And I use post-it notes for everything. 
But this is a really great method for extracting what you know. So if you don't have someone in your life, like myself, that can just pull it out of your brain, this is a really great tool. So I call it Post It to Profit. And it's a full video training where you can take all the stuff that you don't think is good enough, you don't think is sellable, you don't think you can have a vet, like monetary value on it, take it from your brain, get it out onto Post-it notes and have a really clear idea of how you can turn it into a course or an ebook or a program. And I would love to give that to the audience. Okay. That's pretty epic because that's like where people get stuck. Yeah. I'm uh, starting. Say, say where they can get it one more time. Of course, we'll put a link sure. in the show notes. Yeah. So it'll be at jessglazer.com. Post it to profit free. Okay. That's super badass. Last question for you. I want to respect your time. You got another minute? Sure. All right. Last question for you is this. Give me a reason why people should be unapologetic about their pursuit of success. Why should you be unapologetic about your pursuit of success? So for me, the ripple effect is really, really big. And if you can just even inspire one other person to go for it, to do the thing, whatever it is, to make the money, to quit the job, to leave the relationship, then what you're doing is everything. And so because that's like the true, that's true impact. And so if you're unapologetic about your success and you just show up and you do it and you share it, I can promise you, you will inspire at least one other person. Uh, and that's how real change happens. I freaking love it. Do it for the inspiration. Do it for the trickle down effect. Yeah. I love it. Jess, listen, first of all, I was super excited to interview you. Uh, thanks for doing the fun timeline thing with me so other people could like find themselves in your journey, in your story. Because everybody needs, not everyone, but damn near three quarters of the country needs it right now. Yeah. Um, and just... I'll, a true heartfelt, I am proud of you. I am grateful for you. And you are growing at such a pace that you are going to be one of the all-time epic superstars. So what you invested today to be on the show, I know is no small thing. And just know that from every listener, we're grateful. Chris, thank you so much. You have changed our life. Oh. I'm extremely grateful. My, my privilege and, and my pleasure for sure. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.